Hi, I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. Slightly later than normal, but I'm sure you'll understand because obviously it's FA Cup weekend. We had games on Saturday and Sunday and we wanted to cover them all off in one go. I'm Luke Edwards and joining us this week to look over all the FA Cup shocks, comfortable victories and bizarre goings on. It is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good evening, Luke. It's uh, yeah, a little bit later, but uh, always good to see you. Yeah, and also with us as well, we have got, it's, it's worth bringing him out, certainly for first round weekend, it is Mr. FA Cup Fat File himself, Mr. Phil Annett. Hello. Hi guys, hi. How you doing? You, you make me you make me feel like I'm in a cupboard until you have got your uh, podcast to run, and then you can wheel me out of yeah. the cupboard. <laughs> put you away, put you away for a year when uh, <laughs> once the FA Cup gets deep in the competition. But as people who know we follow you, you don't just do the non-league club, do you? You go all the way to the final and, and produce stats on that as well, don't you? Yeah, I do indeed. It's uh, it's something I follow from August all the way through to May. So before the the National League clubs get involved, and then. Usually, once they've all gone uh, beyond the third round, usually, but uh, hopefully, we'll see one do well this year that keeps the, your your interest in in the competition for as long as possible. Absolutely, and, and talking to the National League, we'll round up the results from the North and the South later on in the podcast. But there's only really a couple of places to start, and that's with the upsets, really. And, and the biggest one probably was on on TV late on Sunday night. It was St Albans against Forest Green, and we're just talking before we came on air then, Phil. It wasn't like it's not like Forest Green are struggling. They are top yeah. of League Two and going well. And what a result for St. Albans. Yeah, fant- fantastic result. Two two levels between them in terms of league positions uh, and status, but obviously with Forest Green at the top of EFL two, that, that added an extra few places between them. Um and we hadn't had much in the way of, of any upsets up to uh, last night. So I'd already started frantically looking through my facts to find out whenever there was a time we'd never had any uh, non-league clubs beating any league club in the first round, but I hadn't quite managed to look at everything. everything. So thanks to St Albans with their fantastic result. It was a bit of a topsy-turvy game, wasn't it? it was, they were in front and they were behind and then they scored the, the, the goal in the second half to, to win and get themselves through to, to the second round, which is fantastic. Um, it's their fourth time that they've done it. They've never gone further, but they've been in the competition for more than 100 times. And the last did it 25 years ago. Uh, so they'll be definitely celebrating there. And another milestone for them is that they beat an EFL team or a football league team for the first time ever in the proper rounds of the competition. Uh, they had beaten Brentford way back in 1924-25, but that was a fifth qualifying round tie in those days. Uh, probably equivalent of the second round or first or second round now. Uh, but yeah, so momentous for St Albans City and their fans. It's a fantastic, fantastic achievement. Yeah, and Decky, I guess you got the winner for St Albans. If you had a pound, who, who would you guess it'd be? <laughs> well, if we could have guessed Sean Jeffers was the man, wasn't he? You know, we we, we gave him a bit of a build-up. Um, I think we'd actually be speaking about trying to get hold of him for the podcast, but um, uh, the difficulty is, of course, he was preparing for that tie yesterday. I No doubt he's probably in demand for the TV channels this evening with the draw taking place, so I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him on TV. I mean, St. Albans on an absolutely terrific run. I mean, Sean uh, touched on it in his post-match interview um, with with the TV people when he said, I think that yesterday was their 15th game unbeaten. So they're on a tremendous run. But it's a, 
it's a, it's a big, big scalp. I mean, Forest Green are top. They're going very, very well. I think you could see when Forest Green had the ball that they are a very, very capable side. Um, really unfortunate slip that ultimately led to the goal. But, you know, the, those are the, the things that FA Cup runs are built on sometimes, aren't they? Yeah, and he's in incredible goal-scoring form, Sean Jeffers. And, and if anyone does know him, tell him to get in touch. We do really want to get him on the podcast, not just through his, his FA Cup exploits, but just from his league form in general this year. I think uh, Tom touched, touched on it a few weeks ago. I think he's a the top goal scorer anywhere in Europe. I think he's got <laughs> he's he's got to um double I think he got to double figures quicker than anyone else as well this season. So yeah, do get in touch with us. Tweet us at NL full time. Or message us on uh, NL Full Time on Instagram. Or even send us an email, and if you know Sean Jeffers, then we'll try to get in touch with him. Uh, the other upset as well, which really um, caught, opened people's eyes a little bit, Phil. It was it was down at Agra, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. Kidderminster Harry is up against uh, National League opposition and former pace setters there, uh, Coonsby Town. Um, so a fantastic uh, 1-0 win. I think it was uh, Ashley Hemmings' penalty that made the difference. And, uh, yeah, flying high for Kidderminster Harriers into the second round for the first time in eight years and uh, thinking of past FA Cup glories and hopefully repeating them again this year. Yeah, Dickie, what a result that is for Kidderminster. It is. I mean, Kidderminster, they are on a good run. They, they, I think we've noted in the, the podcast, I think they started the season well, then had a little bit of a dip and then it's it started to pick up again. Uh, Ashley Hemmings is a man in tremendous form at the moment. I mean, we're not going to be giving too much away by saying that the National League have, have, have announced their players for the month and managers the month for October today. Sean Jeffers was the player of the month in the South and Ashley Hemmings was the player of the month in the North, which was, you know, such fantastic timing giving, you know, what they did for their clubs over the weekend. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's great for Kidderminster. It's Russ Penn's birthday today as well, the manager. So uh, he's having a, a very happy birthday. Um, and yeah, I'll get a chance to see them next uh, Saturday when I'm there with Telford. I go, I'm slightly fearful of that one, given the form we're in at the moment. <laughs> but it will be really good to see how Harry's are, are developing this season. Oh, they'll be distracted, Dickie. You'll be fine. <laughs> That's my hope. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of the uh, the awards in the National League, Steve Watson will manage it a month for the National League North. However, he got he was on the wrong end of an upset, wasn't he, Dickie? Then with Buxton beating them. He was, I mean, and 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 I think this was the the, the one result on Saturday that sort of like take, took most of the headlines because it was a team from a lower division knocking out a team from a higher division, albeit that it wasn't an EFL side. Um, but yeah, fantastic for for Buxton. I, I'm sure Phil's got some um, some facts on, on them in in terms of their progress. Uh, again, they're another club that's flying in their division. Um, they had the very weird circumstance of, of losing uh, their management duo last week and Steve Cunningham um, uh, has come in as manager and goes straight into a team that, that does FA Cup giant killers in there who's being interviewed on the television. So, yeah, such a bizarre two weeks for him. Well, for, for Buxton, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've been uh, co- contacted by lots of Buxton fans in the, in the run-up to the game saying they've spent their whole life trying to get to see Buxton play in the first round of the FA Cup and you know, it's 59 years since they've got that far. So you can imagine there's not many people around who've seen that before. And for them to go and win 1-0 at York City and get themselves to the second round is just fabulous for them, I guess. It's that old adage of you don't get one for years and then two two FA Cup round ties come up alongside each other. 
Um, but yeah, it's a great club, and uh, yeah, not not good for York City to to be on the wrong end of that. But it was it was the only real shock of note in the uh, Saturday games. I got the impression from it as well that it was. It, that it sounded like it was a deserved victory as well for Buxton. I know the goal came quite late on. Um, Diego Di Girolamo, is that right? That's Did right. Yeah. yeah, that's how they say. Yeah, and, and funny right, enough, thank goodness for that. It was. It was focus. It was featured on Football Focus as well. They followed him round uh, Buxton doing his day job, and he went to an Italian restaurant with him. So it was kind of written in the stars in a way as well. <laughs> well, they were they were setting him up there, weren't they? You know, they, they, I mean. They, for them, that's fantastic. You know, they they pick, they choose a player, and they highlight him, and then he he, he scores the winning goal. It's it's you know there, there are a few players who were I wouldn't say making their names, but uh, but uh, you know coming to the forefront in this and and him being one of them. But as you say, for York City, that's a huge disappointment for them. You know, their their, their league form is improving; they're on the fringe of the playoff picture now. Um, but it is a case of perhaps concentrating on the league and the FA Trophy for York this season now. Yeah, and Phil and I think a Bucks and a lowest ranked team left now in the competition. Yeah, they are indeed. Yeah, the only team from level seven uh, still going. So yes. You, you've got a lot of money if you put a bet on that at the start of the season that they would be the, the lowest level team still standing by the, the time the second round came around, given their absence from the first round for so long. Moving on, and not an upset as such, Phil, but a pretty crazy game at the Shea. <laughs> yeah, you don't get many games like that in football in general, never mind in the FA Cup. Um, what was it? At Halifax Town and Maiden United, four all at half-time. I mean, that's a, on its own is quite phenomenal to see that many goals. And then for it to end up as a 7-4 victory for FC Halifax Town. And uh, great news for them. And, and you know, making the second round again for the third time. It's the furthest they've been in the 14 years that they've been competing in the FA Cup since they for, reformed as FC Halifax Town. So celebrations for them. But for Maiden Edge United, it's like frustration after frustration because it's now hard to believe that it's 135 years since they last made the second round of the FA Cup. And in those days, it wasn't obviously in qualifying rounds. And they've been getting to the first round quite quite frequently in recent times, but just not able to get over that, over the line. So, um, real shame for them. You don't score four goals away from home very often and not end up going through. So, they must be really shocked. Managed yes. by a former FA Cup winner as well in Alan Devonshire as well. You know, he's a man who's gone all the way there. But, uh, yeah, no progress for him this year. As you say, you score four goals away from home. You'd expect to be winning that tie. I saw an interview with Pete Wilde, the Halifax manager, where I he, described, he described the, the, the defending as absolutely criminal or something to that effect. Um, you know, he's got to be happy with seeing his team score seven. And, and it was really good to see... Um, Billy Waters getting picked out and they're highlighting his contribution yesterday on, on, on television. You know, that, that's going to do wonders for his stock. Um, Halifax are in great form at the moment. I think they've won six consecutive home league games in a row. So it was always going to be a difficult one for Maidenhead, but I don't think any of us foresaw it was going to be a scoreline quite like that. Yeah, it was funny actually. Pete Wilde's interview, he looked so, he looked like he'd just been beaten 7 4. He looked really forlorn, <laughs> didn't he? And down. <laughs> it's like, Pete, you've made it to the second round of the FA Cup. <laughs> well, well, the idea that, you know, progress is the thing, it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you get through in a cup competition. But yeah, I think you needed to tell Pete Wilde's face that yesterday from the looks of that interview because, uh, yeah, he, he didn't look thrilled about the defending. But, um, you know, I suppose he's got a, a reasonable point, you know, in that if he's got aspirations for Halifax, 
the things he's seen on the field there, if he's not happy with them and, and feels they're creeping into their game, you can perhaps understand it. Yeah, it's interesting as well to see there's a couple of goals for Aqua as well for Maidenhead. So there's clearly some in the water, or even the Aqua yeah. up in Yorkshire on Saturday, wasn't there? Well, it was raining plenty enough. It certainly was in Bradford where I was, not that far away from Halifax. So, uh, yeah. Talking of, of Bradford as well, um, Phil, I'm noticing in notes as well. I think the last time there was a 7-4 in, in the FA Cup round proper, was it? Was that to do with Bradford Park having you as well? Yeah, the original Bradford Park Avenue uh, won 7-4 against the original Newport County. Uh, that's the last time we had a 7-4 in the uh, proper rounds of the competition. And there's only been uh, four of them in total now. And that last one was in 1937-38 season. So we've gone a long time since we've seen one. Uh, that's why it's uh, getting all the sort of attention it's, uh, it sort of deserves a crazy game. And so, you know, it's great to see for, for me. I love it when it comes something like that comes up because it, it sends me into my database to find out what's gone on in the past, and I quite enjoy doing that. Something else you dug up from your database is is the way it goes on for Maidenhead to get to second round. It's only 135 years now, isn't it? The waiting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not many of them around still can remember those days when they were playing second round of fake up football. Well, they'd be pretty <laughs> yeah, remarkable yeah. if they are still around. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there that is something the in the water, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Um, yeah, I mean, as I alluded to it before, they'll be frustrated because they'd have seen that as a good chance having beaten Halifax at the start of the season and, you know, they're doing well themselves. So, um, yeah, that 135-year work goes on. Yeah, it, it's 7-4. If you think that the last one was 1937-38, um, I, I won't be expecting to see another 7-4 in the first round in my lifetime by the sounds of things. Before we look at the, uh, the, the games that are going to go to replays, a couple of others that... Of caught our eye this weekend. The two wise faced off, didn't they, Phil? Uh, Yates against Yeovil. Yeah, that's uh, that was a historic game in its own right. Um, the first time that two clubs that begin with the letter Y had faced each other in the FA Cup uh, after 150 years and over 73,000 matches. It's quite a, a surprising little stat there that caught the imagination of of the, uh, the public and the media this weekend as well. And and for Yeovil, they they obviously could have been a banana skin for them, but they uh, they, they they were professional disciplined and they were, came through with a, a comfortable five nil victory. So uh, good news for them. Um, and they'd already set a little bit of history themselves by that for that game because they're the first time that a non-league club had made the first round of the FA Cup for fifty two occasions. And I know they'd rather think of themselves as a football league side, but uh, whilst they've been non-league, that is a, that is a a record that they now own. Um, they were level with um, Kettering uh, at the start of this season, but uh, they're now stat out in front on that one. That's pretty amazing, that, isn't it? What a start that is, 52nd time as a non-league club. But again, I mean, Dickie talked about not seeing it again in uh, in his lifetime. I don't think, like, we'll, I don't think even I'll see that again in, our, in, um, in a lifetime, especially with the way it, football is now. Bromley, they lost 3-0 at Rotherham United, didn't they? And they exit the FA Cup in the first round for the fifth successive season. Uh, I, I heard a stat as well about Hayes and Yedin. That I think they had a, they were the third successive season they got to the first round yeah. and got knocked out and I don't think they'd scored. But Bromley have got a similar record, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, the difference is Hay, Hayes are obviously a level below, uh, a couple of levels below Bromley. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they got to the first round for the third successive season, which I think is the first time a club from that level of the pyramid has managed to achieve a trio of first round appearances in successive seasons. So great for them. 
Um, disappointing as well that they, they lost. I was actually at the game. It wasn't the, the greatest game in the world, but uh, yeah, I think Sutton on the day deserved to win, but uh, it wasn't a very enjoyable game to watch for a neutral, that's for sure. But, but Bromley, they, they're a bit like Maidenhead United in a way. must be very, very frustrated because they've, they've got to the first round so often in recent times and they've only ever gone further uh, three times and that, that was way back at either side of World War II. So it's a, a long, long time for them to, to hit the second round as well. So they would have seen they had a good chance this year. I know it wasn't a league side, but uh, you know, it's the sort of place you can go in as a National League team and uh, you know maybe get something from it, but obviously not this year. And they'll have to come back again next year and try again. It was a fairly clear red card in that game as well, Phil, from what I can recall on the television. Yeah, I think it was the clearest red card of the weekend, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and that that will annoy Andy Woodman as well, because I think they were already 3-0 down by that point. Um, And that suspension is going to carry over to their league form now, you know, which isn't great. It looked like it was a a challenge um, or a tackle born out of frustration. So uh, not helpful. But yeah, uh, Bromley have got lots to look forward to in the league. So. Yeah, we'll we'll have a bit more of a chat about Andy Woodman later on. Um, There's four replays that are going to involve National League clubs. We're going to look at the two games that took place on Sunday very shortly. But there was um, a couple of interesting games involving National League side. We'll start off with Solihull Moors, who drew 0-0 away at Wigan Athletic. What a performance by Ryan Boot, who uh, made save after save, and it means that uh, Wigan will now have to go to Damson Park and Solihull, really impressive performance from them, Phil. Yes, yeah, fantastic. I mean, Wigan uh, head of the table on EFL 1, so, uh, you know, they're in good form uh, on a league basis and so getting getting a 0-0 a draw there and, as you said, the keeper was outstanding. Um, Solihull have done very well in the FA Cup in recent times and have managed to get through to the second round every time in the last few years. So now they've got home advantage, they, they might think that they can do that again for the fourth time. Dickie, we saw Ryan Boot make a couple of brilliant saves at Altrincham and he kept that up, didn't he, on Saturday? He did. And, you know, again, touching on this thing about players who made their mark over the weekend, it's just, I think, a signal of the form that they're in, in that Ryan Boot has been made the the, the National League Player of the Month for October. Uh, and and that's not just based, I'm sure his performance, so like we're talking about November now, he clearly is in really good form. We saw him, um, as you said, just a couple of weeks ago and and, and Solihull have, have got that about them. You know, they're, they're a durable side. Um, and yeah, I think they'll fancy their chances now. Yeah, in a replay, Wigan have got to go to Damson Park. Quite a narrow pitch, isn't it? I think it, it's, a, it's a replay you're fancying going to as well, Dickie. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly one that caught my eye. I mean, with um, you know it not being that far away uh, and, and the opposition, um, there's a former Telford player in, in the Wigan lineup as well, in Curtis Tilt, somebody who I'd, I'd be interested in seeing. Um, I, I know, I, I would imagine Solihull would be they wouldn't like me to remind them of it, but the the the, the ghost of uh, of an FA Cup tie from recent past, where I think they led three nil against. I can't quite remember. It was, was it Blackpool. Rotherham. Rotherham. Yeah, they led three nil against Rotherham and then lost that game four three. Um, I would imagine if there's any of those players who are still at the club now, that 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 is perhaps something that they would be keen to bury, even though it's different opposition. You know, they they had that chance a year or two ago and and it's passed them by and, and now they've got another great opportunity. Funny you mentioned Curtis Till. He's in really good goal scoring form as well for Wigan. So he's uh, he could well 
fancy his chances in the replay. And also a really entertaining game up at the International Stadium. Gates had thought they'd got an upset against Aldergrim. They led 2-0 with not long left. But um, Phil, Jake Malty popped up in the fifth minute of injury time and it was a late, late show from the Robins. Fantastic. Never say die attitude. Um, yeah, I mean, as late as it can be, and I guess in a game to get that equaliser and to get them to come back to uh, to the home ground. Um, the Robins are competing in the FA Cup for the 100th time, so I'm guessing you know it's quite a significant milestone season for them, and they'd be keen to keep that run going for as long as possible. And now with home advantage, you've got to fancy their chances to to go through. Yeah, really, really entertaining game. Gateshead will be gutted, won't they, Dickie? They will, yeah. They held a two 0 lead, and um, I know you and I, when when we were altering them a couple of weeks ago, we we spoke to Brian Flynn, um, who said he was really looking forward to the game and, and the prospect of two good footballing sides, which they are. Gates said are certainly a side you like to keep the ball on the floor in the National League North and 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 move it around. Altering them are exactly the same, and I say Gates said with a two 0 lead. Uh, their second goal came after 79 minutes and they must have thought that one's going to seal it now. But Marcus Denanga get, got a goal back four minutes later and then you say Malt's equaliser coming late on. But I do imagine that was a, a, a good... Uh, ent- apart from the drama of it, I would do imagine the football that was uh, on, on display on in that game would have been good as well. Yeah, I think the uh, the most intriguing game of the day, and it got top billing on the, the match of the day, FA Cup highlights, was Bolton against Stockport. And I know I listened to it and um, on the local radio, and it was a fantastic game. It was end-to-end stuffed. There was over 5,000 away fans as well. Chris Pratt was in there, and I know there was a lot of... I've been looking on Instagram, a lot of people seem to be in that away end at, start, <laughs> at Bolton Wanderers on Sunday, but it was 2-2 at half-time, and it was a brilliant game, wasn't it, Dickie? It, it, it was, yeah. I mean, um, I suppose this was, uh, there was, you know, an extra spur for Stockport for so many reasons, aren't they? You know, it, it's a big, re, you know, regional derby. I wouldn't exactly say local, but, you know, they are two teams that will have come into opposition many times in the past in the league. You've got that added um, attraction with Stockport um, in, in having their new manager in place and you've got players who would have been out to impress him. Uh, and, and they, I think they, you could see from the game that those Stockport players who have dropped down from the league, um, you know, we saw Paddy Madden and Scott Quigley, the likes of those, they showed their class, I thought, in that game and it made it really entertaining cup time. Yeah, Phil, it's, uh, you've got some cracking stats on that game, haven't you? Well, they've played each other three times before in the FA Cup and there's always, well, up until this, this season, there's always been at least uh, five goals in a game. So just uh, two all draw was a bit of a disappointment for what they normally have. Um, but um, Stockport last beat Bolton in the Cup 112 years ago. That's the only time they've beaten them. So uh, they've got 112 years to try to get revenge on them in the FA Cup. And But Bolton uh, only last lost to a non-league side the following season, 111 years ago. So... You know, they're not used to going up to non-league teams. And so there's a lot riding on the game. Um, could be very, very historic if uh, Stockport were to, to go on to win. Yeah, and also Notts County went to Rochdale and got a really good draw. They, they had fallen behind. Um, but Kyle Wotton got an equaliser there. He maybe survived a massive penalty shout at the end. But uh, a good 1-1 draw for Notts County in the end. Very much so. I mean, uh, Notts County again are a, a, you know, a good footballing side at this level and Ian Birchnell's got them playing playing some decent stuff. 
Um, it was ahead of from Carl Wooten that, that got them their equaliser yesterday. But yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a great draw for them. And I would imagine that the, that the prospect of Rochdale going to Meadow Lane will, will bring the crowds into Meadow Lane. And that, that'll be a really, that we've spoken about, you know, our, our, which games are perhaps going to be televised in terms of the replays. That's one that could easily be chosen because, you three know, out the prospect of... Three out of the four yeah. basically could be, no disrespect to Altrincham Gateshead, but three out of the four mm. could be on telly, couldn't they? Yeah, I mean, the the, the prospect of, of Rochdale going to Meadow Lane um, in, in front of a, maybe not full, but, a, you know, a, a pretty full Meadow Lane would be a, would be an attractive prospect for the TV companies, I would have thought. And Notts County have got form against Rochdale as well, haven't they, Phil? Yeah, so they've only met twice before in a cup, but obviously Notts County won both times on previous uh, meetings. Um, but obviously their league status was slightly different uh, than it is uh, at the moment. And, uh, you know, in officially the underdogs given their league status. But Rochdale do hold the record for the most exits of the FA Cup in the first round. So, you know, they don't have a lot of good, good uh, record of getting through to the second round. So, uh, and they've also, I think they, they've lost the non-league side very often uh, at this stage of the competition. So, uh, it's not uh, it's not going to be easy for them. And I think county with home advantage, the way they're playing at the moment, they really should fancy their chances. Yeah, Rochdale, we're hoping not to be pied by the pies eh, in, the, in the replay. Um, Phil, have you got anything else to, for us in terms of, of stats? <laughs> I probably stat, tons and tons of stats, but, uh, <laughs> but not, not, not anything I can think of right now for your for your uh, particular leagues uh, and teams. Leighton Orient beat Ebsley, and did they say it's the first time Leighton Orient have got through the first round in like five years or something? Yeah, it's quite a few years. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was something like, like that. Seven, yeah. years, seven yeah. years, yeah. I mean, obviously they were they were in uh, non-league for a bit during yeah. that time as well, but yeah. So I mean, Ebsley, it's funny because they they themselves. Um, haven't done very well since they changed their name from Gravesend and Norfolk in the FA Cup. They've, they've struggled to get beyond the first round since the name change. So, yeah, that was, that, you know, there's some minor stats there as well. Yes. Phil, brilliant. Um, thank you very much for joining us. As we recall this, of course, there is one game to take place that is Dagenham against Salford City. And then I know you're going to be up into the wee small hours after the draw has taken place. Well, hopefully it shouldn't take too long, given the number of replays and uh, the fact there's only 20 ties. Uh, it shouldn't take as long as it might have done back in the old preliminary round days when there's 160-odd ties I have to try and cover off as the draw comes out. So, yes, I hope to have um, uh, analysis of all the known ties that come out of the draw tonight. And you've not been uh, not been royally invited this evening? <laughs> no, no, not this time, no. Just out of interest, where is, where is the draw taking place tonight? Is it in St Albans? Oh, I think it, I think it's down at Dagenham where the TV cameras are. Oh, okay, yeah. But I don't know for certain. It's a, it's a, I mean, I, I like the idea that it's taking place after all the games have happened, rather than in the past it, it's mm. happened just before a game's about to kick off. Uh, but I don't like the idea of it taking place at quarter to ten on a Monday night. It's not very uh, very good for the publicity of of the competition. Having the draw when quite a lot of people who are interested may have already gone off to bed and. Uh, Miss out on uh, on hearing it live. It's like it's like question time, isn't it, Dickie? They're popping up in all national league towns at the minute, aren't they? 
They seem to. I think every 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 town that the BBC's question time goes to seems to be a town that either has a National League football club or has a National League football club that's just lost its manager. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think they've been to Stockport and they've been to, well, it was Hartlepool, we were XX, but they went to Stockport recently. And I think they're due in, uh, where did we say they were? Eastleigh? They're in Eastleigh, and, uh, yeah. I said, yeah, I said, they're, they're, uh, Fans of Bromley would be very much hoping that they're not going to turn up there any time now, um, given the rumours surrounding um, Andy Woodman and, and, and the Hartlepool United job. But uh, no, you can see how much of a labour of love it is for, your, for, for you, Phil. You know, when you talk about the you know, preliminary rounds and early rounds when there's like 160 ties. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, you are all over those in the same way as you are, you know, when it's, 40 ties you've had this week and 20 ties in the next round. And, and, and it's just always so evident how, how much you love the competition. Yeah. Well, I, I just believe that uh, all the clubs that take part in the competition should get all the attention they have whilst they're participating in it. And I think it's, uh, it's right that they do that. And I, it's a shame that the, the media don't give more attention to, to the competition at, this, at that level, because for me, that's where the heart and soul of the FA Cup really is. You've got players and, Fans and managers all love to be part of the competition that the, that they are, their heroes are, are playing in. If you like, towards the end of the, the season, so it's uh, it, it, it's where I find that people love the competition the most. But the media don't see that, and they just focus on their, what they see as the FA Cup being a tertiary at best competition for the top clubs that they want to cover. And whilst the fans of those clubs really want to do well for the FA Cup, the team owners don't tend to so you've got that little bit of a, a mismatch between what the club wants and what the fans want but yeah I love the competition I always have done and it's you know every game it, you know it counts if, you, if you're bad on your day you're going to lose to the team below you and, and carry that that shame with you for quite some time and uh, it's a great chance for the lower clubs to really show that they are they like, like Stockport for instance great one but to be on the, the same stage as Bolton now to show everyone that they're on the way back and that they should be back in the football league. It's great for them. Brill. Well, Phil, thank you. And uh, I'm sure we'll maybe try and get you on for the second round, depending on what happens with the National League Club, certainly in the replays. Yeah, I'm always uh, happy to talk to you guys. Um, it's great to uh, talk a bit different in terms of focus. So uh, it's nice to have this little um, sideline of, of stats on one particular league. So obviously, not all the national league, all the national league sides had a good time of it, or national league north and south sides for that matter. In total, I mean, now Phil's gone. We still have got some stats of our own. There was twenty-two national league teams in the first round: sixteen from the national league, three from the north, three from the south, and there was five all national league ties, which we're going to get onto very shortly. Uh, Geisley, they had a valiant effort at AFC Wimbledon in the end. They lost one nil to an Ollie Palmer strike in the end and Geisley still slightly depleted aren't they uh, they, they wanted a full strength side to go there I think they've, they've, they've still got a few out though haven't they Dickie? I think they had and I think on that basis you know a 1-0 defeat even though it's not the result that they would have wanted um, uh, ideally is, is is actually a pretty good showing by Geisley given the you know the respective gap between the divisions I think to go to AFC Wimbledon and only lose by goal to nil is, is no disgrace for them whatsoever and, and you know they've had a nice little run they've got three three rounds um they'll enjoy some of the gate receipts from um a, a, a day away at Wimbledon and, and I suppose you also think with Wimbledon being you know their non-league heritage as well you know that they would have been welcomed because they've so often been in in the sh- in, in Geisley's shoes in the past 
Yeah, Boreham Wood against Eastleigh was one of the all National League ties. Two goals from Scott Bold two goals from Scott Bowden saw the current National League leaders through to the second round. Charlton they beat Havenant Waterlooville by four goals to nil. There was another all National League tie between Chesterfield and South End. That was a win for Chesterfield by two goals to one. There was a bit of fisticuffs at the end of that game as well. Uh, Harrogate played Wrexham. Wrexham looked like they were going to cause an upset. They were 1-0 up at halftime through Jordan Ponticelli. But then Simon Power literally ducked to his name as he powered in a free kick. And then friend of the podcast, Danilo Arce, he got the winner, capitalising on a mistake. Kings Lynn against Walsall. They had the football focus cameras down there on Saturday. And Kings Lynn gave it a good go in the end. Ultimately, they lost to uh, another former Harrogate striker, actually scoring the winner in Brendan Kiernan. And as we mentioned earlier, about late in Orient, they finally made it through to the second round at the expense of Ebbsfleet United, who went really close to Dominic Polion, but ultimately they uh, they couldn't get through. And a bit of a setback for Dennis Kuchabi was named National League South Manager of the Month. And in terms of managerial changes, then, I mean, we had Phil Brennan on last week, Dickie, didn't we? And there was an inkling it was going to be Dave Challoner and... Um, well, I think we need to get Phil on to pick the lottery numbers for us because ultimately he proved correct, wasn't didn't he? He did, yeah. I think he, I think when Phil came on, he he said that that betting on Dave Challoner becoming the new Stockport manager um, had been suspended, which was a pretty strong um, indicator that he was going to take the role. Um, I, I think it seems, from my understanding of it, is is he's actually just walked away from the Hartlepool job has just resigned that one and and I don't know if there is any uh, grounds for compensation between the clubs. I think there might be a little bit going on um, in that respect, as in not that they're necessarily negotiating, but, but perhaps that some people feel that it, it should be due because they did make an approach and it was turned down. And then Dave Challoner decided to walk anyway. Um, so you can understand from Hartlepool's point of view, they feel slightly aggrieved, but yeah, Dave Challoner took over the role um, straight into it with a with a massive game the other day, and it, it did actually strike me in that that Stockport Bolton Wanderers game as well that the, the respective managers in Ian Everton, Dave Challoner, both of course managers who mm. won promotion at the National League, although uh, Ian Everts was as champions with Barrow, and then obviously he he went on to Bolton, and then you got Dave Challoner's experience. Um, well, you know, numerous promotions, but, you know, the promotion out of the, out of the National League with Hartlepool last season. And and they strike me as two quite similar managers in that they are, you know, they were both defenders in their time. They're both sort of like strike you as quite passionate, resolute, passionate, sort of resolute sort of characters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that people feel that, that Stockport have got themselves a good manager in Dave Challoner. It does mark a little bit of a sea change um, given, you know, Simon Rusk's background, but you'd have to look at that and think that perhaps that the Stockport hierarchy have no disrespect to Simon Rusk, have understood the error of their ways in that putting a former academy coach in to as be, as a manager of a National League side doesn't work because you, you just, you need to know this level and there's no doubt that Dave Challoner does and, uh, you would imagine he will enhance Stockport's prospects for this season, for the coming seasons as well, you know, wherever they may happen to be under him. And you feel it'll appease the fans as well, because obviously they know him as a player. And uh, I did hear a fan yesterday on the radio say that Dave Challoner will get it. And as much as Hartlepool fans will feel 
a bit aggrieved and, and ask why you you can kind of see it in a way can't you yeah you can i think it's traditions that you know a, a huge thing at stockport county you know we, we speak about um you know danny bagara uh, being such a a, a real revered figure at, at stockport county and you know the the, the is it the the what's the thing about the scarf i can't remember the scarf yeah, what, what the scar- yeah the scarf bagara award the, the, the tradition of Stockport County Football Club is hugely important to them. I know that they felt that Jim Gannon, the previous manager, understood that and got that and was a county man, right, you know, down to his bones. And I think that was why they, the negativity around his departure um, was so marked because, you know, that there was this feeling that they were losing somebody who absolutely understood Stockport County in the same way the fans did and we're bringing in somebody in Simon Rusk who you know, didn't quite frankly but I think with Dave Challoner they've got somebody who whilst he doesn't have the Stockport County quite the Stockport County heritage that Jim Gallon does um, you know he's a step closer to it and I think that will make a lot of county fans a lot happier. Yeah the Scarf Bagara War is a Stockport County podcast so if you want to get your Stockport County news there's a nice little Free plug for their podcast. So <laughs> hopefully we can get one of them on one week uh, as, as a thank you. Um, talking of the Hartlepool job, that is free. And one name that has been linked is is Andy Woodman's, which my heart sank because obviously I've tipped Bromley for promotion. I think if Andy Woodman <laughs> st- uh, stays there, then they will go pretty close. But again, you can see the link because he was goalkeeping coach at Newcastle, really enjoyed it up there. His son's up there at the minute, Freddie playing for Newcastle. So there might be no smoke without fire on that one. I was surprised to see his name in a list. I'll be honest. When when I, I had a look um, at, at who Hartlepool might be interested in to replace Dave Challoner, I know this is going slightly outside of our, our scope with them being an EFL side, but uh, I had a look, and you know, there's the usual um, litany of, of former Hartlepool players or legends uh, have have been inserted into the betting. Um, uh, but yeah, I think about six in the betting. All of a sudden, there it was, Andy Woodman. And I thought, that's a really strange one. I am not, couldn't understand why Andy Woodman would have even sort of entered into their thinking, other than the fact that Bromley are doing well. But yeah, when a couple of those other pieces were sort of like linked up for us, it then you then start to think it, it's not such a, an odd connection as you might imagine. It's very quiet on that one as well. So, um, you know... We don't know what's happening yeah. with Hartlepool. They're not making a lot of force and a lot of noise about it. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But it, it would clearly be a huge blow to Bromley to lose him to anybody, to be perfectly honest, because having come into the club, you know, we always spoke so highly of the job Neil Smith did there. Mm. Um, but Andy Woodman's come in and he's kicked them on again. Yeah, and I think that playoff eliminated from last season is still fresh in her mind as well at Hartlepool because, of course, Hartlepool racing to a, a 3-0 lead in that one, but Bromley roared back and were unfortunate maybe not to get something out of that game. So that's probably just living in the memory as well a little bit. Yeah, quite possibly. You know, you, it, when I imagine, you know, when you were a board of directors and all of a sudden you're faced with the position of, you know, we we may need to find ourselves a new manager here. I know Hartlepool have got have got um, Dave Challoner's former assistant is is caretaker at the moment. Um, but yeah, why wouldn't the memory of of the way Bromley played against them and and the knowledge that they've gained of of um, you know managers who were in the National League? Why wouldn't that be something that the Hartlepool board would would call upon to you know shape their decision making? 
Well, we're going to look now at the league action and National League North and South fixtures took place this weekend and that is coming up next. Over 5 million homes are at risk of flooding, yet many people don't realise they're in danger. Even if you've never been flooded before, it can happen to you. Protect your family and home. Prepare, act, survive. Prepare a bag including medicines and insurance documents. Act by moving important items upstairs or as high as possible. Survive by listening to emergency services. Search what to do in a flood and sign up to flood warnings on gov.uk. We're going to look now at the National League North and talking to Dave Challoner, his former cider in action filed and they suffered a second away defeat in a row, didn't they, Dickie? They did, yeah. Only only final second uh, defeat this season, but it has come fairly hot on the heels of their previous one. Um, it, it hasn't derailed them. They are still top of the league, but they went down by two goals to one at Curzon Ashton on Saturday. I think this one was notable for the fact that it was the first game in charge of Curzon Ashton for Adam Lakeland, having um, left Fosley Celtic um, around 10 days ago. And a terrific, you know, first result for him. Matty Waters put the Nash ahead in the third minute. Um, they led till just after half time when Nick Horton, he's been in the goals all season long. He fired in a free kick off the crossbar to level. But Dale Witham scored an equal, uh, no, scored the winner in the 68th minute. And yeah, all three points to Curzon Ashton. And after a couple of weeks' break for them as well, after interruption to their season with COVID. So they came back. Um, they've got a couple of games in hand as well. And they're still hanging around, you know, in the. Dare we call it the playoff picture now? I know we're in sort of like 11 to 12 games gone. But, you know, they are still in contention. And, um, yeah, great result for them. And as we're throwing stats around, Adam Lakeland's the only manager to have beaten Jim Bentley this season in the league. He's done it twice now. Yeah, absolutely. He's got the Indian sign over him, hasn't he? So, uh, yeah, then, and presumably there'll be, uh, well, at least one more occasion where he's going to face him this season. So, uh yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a huge amount to worry about for, for AFC file. You know, they've they've still got a 100% home record. But as we'll come on to shortly, that uh, that may be put to the test soon. Yeah, they've got Brackley Town next Saturday, haven't they? And they could only draw 0-0 at Farsley on Saturday. And a bit of a missed opportunity for Brackley. Though. They have got two games in hand, haven't they, ahead of that encounter next weekend? Um, yes, it was perhaps a little bit. You know, they might be disappointed given the, the the away form that they've had this season that it wasn't all three points. But they're still unbeaten away from home in seven matches. Their second draw away from home to go with five wins, so it's still a, a pretty outstanding record. But yeah, they they couldn't break down uh, a Farsley Celtic side. You've got Neil Ross in charge at the moment. Um, it, only one goal away from home conceded yet. For, for Brackley. Before that game, though, against um, Fylde next weekend, they've got a big game on Tuesday night, haven't they, against Spennymoor? Yeah, they have. It's a game um, that was per- postponed from earlier in the season, I think. They, they've um, Spennymoor making the, the long, very long trip south on a Tuesday night to face Brackley. Um, if Brackley win that one, they will go level on points with Fylde ahead of meeting Fylde at Mill Farm at the weekend. And, um, you know, a, a, a win in that one for Brackley would put them ahead and they still got the game in hand as well. So, uh, you know, it's those two. I can see those two duking it out at the top of the division all the way through to the end of the season if their current form continues. But, yeah, with with um, Brackley's unbeaten um, away record and Fylde's unbeaten home record, um, 
unless it's a draw, then somebody's um, uh, going to be disappointed. Yeah, it promises to be a tasty fiction. Brackley face Spennymore, as you say, and, and Spennymore aren't in great form going into that game, are they? No, they've not. They're having a little bit of a, a wobble at the moment. Um, they, they, they had their fourth game without a win on Saturday in losing 2-0 at home to Alfreton Town, which was a, a, a real surprise result. It's Spennymore's third defeat in a row as well. That propelled Alfreton up to fifth and dropped Spennymore to seventh. Yusuf Ucise put Alfreton ahead with a great goal from outside the penalty area, as I understand it. And Bailey Hobson, a young talent at Alfreton Town, who I know has got a lot of fans there excited. Um, he got the second. And yeah, that's Alfreton's seventh game without defeat now and, and up into the playoff picture. And, you know, whatever it is that Billy Heath is doing there is clearly working because, you know, they've, they've got a, uh, a style which is, um, dare I say, uncompromising. Um, and it's not always the, the the best to watch, but you know it works, and and it's clearly working at the moment. Yeah, Charlie had got themselves up into third position, but they went to to Hereford, and Hereford got their first win, didn't they, at Edgar Street this season in the league? It's taken five attempts. Hereford <laughs> have, uh, have uh, yeah had four previous attempts at winning a, a home league game and failed, but they finally got one. Miles Story with the winner after 79 minutes. Um, it would have been Chorley's fourth consecutive away clean sheet if they'd managed to keep one um, after drawing nil-nil at Southport in midweek last week. But Story's goal broke that record for them. Chorley still in third place. Hereford climbed a few places on the back of that one, up to 18th. Um, but yeah, that's a, a monkey off Hereford's back, I would think. Yeah, Leamington are up into 10th, aren't they? A really impressive win away for them, at, albeit at Blyde Spartans, who were in the bottom two now. They are, yeah. Blyth's uh, spiralled down the league from from where they started. I think they they were unbeaten in their first three games of the season. Um, and then they are winless in, I think it's 11 matches now. Um, no, ninth game of that win, sorry, in sixth defeat in a row for Michael Nelson's team. Um, so, yeah, but Blyth's early season promise has, has all but evaporated. But Leamington? Yeah, going along very nicely. Thank you. Two goals in 10 minutes, either side of half time. Um, first one from Devon Kelly Evans, the brother of Dion from Notts County, opened the scoring in the 41st minute. And then, yeah, if you should happen to see this one, I think it's already been shared by the National League on social media this morning. Joe Clark adding the second goal on 50 minutes from the halfway line after being gifted the ball by a terrible clearance by the Blythe goalkeeper. And yeah, Lemington up to 10th spot and stands 21st. Yeah, and before we have a look at the the most entertaining game, I think, in the National League North, a couple more games. A much-needed win for Darlington. They went away at Kettering, which means they leapfrog Kettering. And a good win for them and a, and a good tonic for the recovering Alan Armstrong. Yeah, it was very much so. Um, Kettering uh, had been out of action for a couple of weeks again. They'd, they'd had COVID in their camp, so this was their first game back. And I don't think Paul Cox was especially pleased by what he saw. Uh, the Poppies did take uh, an early lead, known goal by Jake Cooper from Darlington, but he did score at the other end. He put them ahead in the 65th minute. That obviously came after that Jack Lambert had equalised for Darlington in the first half, his second goal in eight days. So we won one at half time. Cooper then completed the trick of scoring at both ends. Will Hatfield took away a penalty in the 86th minute to make it 3 1. And that drops Kettering down to 15th. They've got a few games in hand. Darlington up to 12th. 
Alan Armstrong back on the touchline, which um, yeah, is hugely pleasing given you know the the um, uh, the alarms that, that he had around his health only around a month or so ago, and that actually makes Darlington the division's top scorers as well. Twenty four goals this season. Paul Cox not happy with Kettering. Spoke about it being a mentality issue with some of his players rather than um, anything to do with them physically. So uh, yeah, he feels he's got some work to do there. Yeah, just staying out of the relegations on a goal difference. Your own club, Telford, Dicky. Yes, they are. I mean, we had confirmation last week from the National League, just touching on this as well, in terms of the, the promotion and relegation from this season. There will only be one team relegated from National League North this season, but that doesn't mean that that's, um, you know, people should be um, <laughs> ignoring the trapdoor when it's just behind them. And it, and it is just behind Telford at the moment, and it's not too far behind for Bradford Park Avenue either. But they, they took a step away from it with a 3-2 win on Saturday. Um, I think the big disappointment from this one was Telford held a 2-0 lead. They were ahead through Don McHale at half-time. Jason Oswell put them 2-0 up just after the start of the second half. But then um, the wind and the rain came in. It was blowing right into the faces of the Telford players, um, in, in not in quite the same ways it had been for Bradford in the first half. There had been some rain, but it certainly wasn't as severe as it was. Um, Bradford Park Avenue sensed their opportunity uh, Simon Richmond got a goal back after 54 minutes. Brad Doherty levelled seven minutes later. <clears throat> and by the 72nd minute, they were ahead. Adam Novakowski earning his pound this week with the <laughs> winner. And um, yeah, Telford had Saul shot and sent off after 83 minutes, a second yellow card. And that's Telford's fifth red card of the season. I've not been able to find the FA disciplinary tables, but they're not looking too great in that either, unfortunately. Yeah, I think there'll be a letter dropping on the doormat at the new book's head as well, won't there, very soon? Um, quite possibly, yeah. They seem to be... Uh, an awful lot of the red cards seem to be affecting members of Telford's defence at the moment. So they, they they get themselves into a position where we, that, that they constantly have suspensions and can't play a settled defensive unit, which can't be a help. Any any news on the Telford managerial position, Dickie? There isn't at the moment. There was a fans forum at Telford last week where it was, um, I think the words from the chairman, Andy Price, were that, yes, Dennis Green is the manager, but yes, they are also still looking for another manager. So the, 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 the um, how permanent Dennis Green's role is, is still in the air somewhat. Um, obviously, there's another um, vacancy in the National League Club. We spoke about Farsley Celtic. They haven't made any or we're not aware of them um, having made taken any steps to to fill their vacancy yet. Um, I'm sure they are looking, but you know they have Neil Ross in charge, and maybe they might be looking at him as well. But um, yeah, it's been a crazy few weeks as regards the, the manager's situation in the National League North. There seems to have been people hopping from club to club, and uh, could just see with it settling down a little bit. Talking of crazy, it was a crazy game at the Diva Stadium to finish off our roundup with, wasn't it? And it involved Boston, who stay in fourth position despite a heavy defeat. Yeah, they do. Boston still in fourth, um, but it, it was not a, a happy day out at Chester for them. Um, Chester rising to 13th on the back of a 4 0 win. Um, but the big story of this game was two dismissals for, for the visitors. Boston were reduced to nine men. Uh, they, they were already a goal down uh, to Chester through Jack Redshaw when Scott Duxbury uh, saw uh, Redford receiving two yellow cards. Uh, Danny Elliott 
from uh, their, their forward. He then got a second yellow for a foul on Declan Weeks and he was dismissed as well. And when they were down to nine, Manchester took full advantage goals from Williams, Jolly and Stevenson. Um, making that game more than safe for them. Chester's biggest win of the season, Boston's biggest defeat. And despite having a really, really good run in October of, of five wins and only one defeat, um, you know, I sense that there are still question marks around Boston United's manager, Craig Elliott, principally because that there is still a perception that given, you know, the, the investment that he's been uh, allowed to make in the squad, that they are not... Um, you know, they're still inconsistent. It was interesting. I did see a bit of Craig Elliott's um, interview after. And he, <laughs> of course, he, he didn't think the two red cards uh, should have been for Boston, but he said, oh, but the Chester man should have been sent off. So it's always interesting how uh, our manager sees things, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I did read some comments from him as well, where he said that, um, uh, I think he said something to the effect of, he knew there was going to be a red card at some point in the game. He said, because you could just tell from the referee that he had it in him, I think is, is, is not exactly a direct quote, but it's not far away. Uh, and that the instruction he gave to his players at half time was, look, he's going to send somebody off. Make sure it's not one of you. Well, it wasn't one of them. It was two of them. Uh, yeah. And they paid the price ultimately. So we're going to move on and look at the uh, National League South. It was another frustrating result for Steve King's men. Uh, it's a fourth game now without a win for them. They had a really entertaining game though against Dartford. They drew 3-3. They fell behind to Danny Griffith's goal on at 21 minutes. Adi Aziz got the equalizer on 42 minutes. And then two minutes later, Norhison gave Dartford the lead going into half time. But Chippenham came back, Rod back, got the equalizer. Rick Aguilar got a goal before Aziz got his second and then a penalty in the last minute from Luke Roos got the equaliser for Chippenham. A much-needed result for Chippenham, but Dartford just on a bit of a wobble, even though they do stay top. They are only two points clear of St Albans, who, as we know, are in FA Cup action. And St Albans have got two games in hand, so it's similar to the North, really, isn't it, Dickie? It is, yeah. I mean, I've been um, keeping a track on um, you know, the, the odds to win the title, and Dartford's odds were shortening week on week on week. Um, but yeah, I think we'll probably see a bit of a correction on that. I think this sort of um, uh, goes, or I think this is preempted possibly by their FA Cup defeat to to uh, AFC Sudbury. Um, and then since then, they've had a little bit of a wobble. You know, we looked at the FA Cup result and just thought, you know, made all the comments about being able to concentrate on the league. Well, they haven't concentrated on it quite as much as, yeah. as uh, I imagine Steve King would have wanted them to. Because, um, yeah, they have had a little uh, a little wobble here. But, you know, every team has them. Um, Steve King's a very experienced manager. I would expect him to, to, to get them back on track. But... You know, let's give credit to Chippenham from that for, for them because you know that that's a that's a tremendous result going away from home, scoring three goals. Um, yeah, admittedly, if you go away from home and score three, you'd like to think that you would win, but you go and score three goals away at the league leaders and come away with a point. I think you've got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, that's uh, their fourth draw in five for Chippenham. Dartford have still got the best defensive record in the division. They have only conceded nine goals, so that is something for. Steve King to draw on in terms of a bit of, of comfort. Uh, Hemel Hempstead and Darf and Darking also played out an entertaining game. I was keeping me beady eyes on this when the scores kept flashing up because again it was a really entertaining first half 
down in Hertfordshire. Now McManus gave Dorkin lead on eight minutes, but um, Alfie Chirulli equalised for Hemel Hempstead before. Al- another Alfie, Alfie Rutherford, this time got Dorkin back in the lead just before half-time. But Hemel Hempstead made a great start to the second half, just nine minutes into it, and Craig Fassamandi got the equaliser for them, which means Dorkin remain in third position. And, and Mark White will be... He'll be satisfied, won't he? Because he had a bit of a, a shaky few weeks, didn't he? And that's uh, they're unbeaten in the last five. It's the first, it stopped the winning sequence, but uh, I'm sure he won't be too upset. They are only three points behind Dartford as well now. Yeah, no, I, and he'll be especially pleased. Um, I think he, you've got to give big credit to his goalkeeper, Stuart Nelson, for saving a penalty from Freddie Hines, which meant that they, they actually did depart with. Uh, a point still intact and and not on the on on the end of a defeat, but um, yeah, I mean ultimately a, a point in those circumstances is is quite good. I mean there's obviously a bit of a turnaround um, beginning at Hamel. Uh, they they were um, certainly tipped for to, to be higher up the table than they have been at the moment, um, but yeah, they're they're um, they're rallying and um, yeah, we'd expect them to move up the table fairly soon. Well, we talk about Sean Jeffers' efforts in the National League South, but Ryan Seeger isn't far behind him. He scored two goals as Hungerford won 4-1 away at Bill Ricky, and that's 10 goals for him in just six league appearances this season. So there must be something in the water in the National League South at the minute. I think so. It's a place to look for goal scorers, isn't it? You know, I would imagine, you know, we spoke about Sean Jeffers and it won't just be his exploits on um, uh, in the FA Cup run and in front of the TV cameras that will have, um, I would imagine, have people, scouts down there, casting an eye over him. But yeah, Ryan Seeger is another player who, you know, you'd be bound to be looking at goal scorers. It doesn't matter what level they're playing at. If you can find the back of the net, that um, they're, they're the players that are in demand, aren't they? And, and and Hungerford certainly benefiting from his presence at the moment. Yeah, he's a, he's one of these players, isn't he? I think he was at Southampton and Exeter, and maybe just fell out of love with the game, dropped down to the part-time game, and seems to be really enjoying it. So whether he wants to move back up or not, but when you've got a player like that who's got a bit of league quality, who just wants to enjoy playing football at that level, it is a big benefit, isn't it? It is. You know, I I, I don't know how Ryan. Seeger is, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, and what his circumstances are in terms of whether he would want another shot at football higher up, you know, he might be in, entirely happy playing at the level that he's at and, you know, he's got to be happy, you would think, with with the goals he's got going in at the moment. He is only 25, so there is a chance for him to maybe have a little stab at it again, isn't there? Certainly. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. For Bill Ricky, however, the shoe is on the other foot. They were 4-0 down until Charlie Lee Got a consolation three minutes from time. Coupled with Braintree's win, they got a very good win, Braintree. Uh, they beat Tombridge by a goal to nil. That means Billericke now go bottom. And it's not really happened the new manager bounce for Jody Brown. And I know this week they've got a fans forum. So that could be a pretty interesting one. I won't mind being a fly on the wall at that one. Yeah, it will be. I mean, it, it's a difficult task Jody Brown's got in there. You know, we're all aware of... Billericke Town's recent history in terms of <clears throat> investment that went in and then investment that that no longer went in. Um, and it's left them in a difficult situation, I would think, behind the scenes. You know, structurally, um, you get the impression that things at the football club aren't um, ideal. Uh, and and that's showing in, in how they're performing on the field. You know, they, they, they did have a change 
in manager with, with Kevin Watson going and Jody Brown coming in, but it's not had this desired effect just yet. I mean, whether it will, we'll have to wait and see, but, you know, I don't think they're going to be in the business of being able to change manager uh, too frequently, just hoping they're going to get that bounce. They've just got to give him some time and hope that he can, uh, you know, work something, either, you know, get a few players in if that's possible or just get more out of the ones that he's got. Yeah, Hungerford in fifth place on 20 points, level on points with Oxford City or above them. They didn't play this weekend. But as I mentioned, it was Braintree who got a 1-0 win against Tunbridge. Kyron Clements with the goal there. They leapfrogged Billericay and Hemel Hempstead in the end. So Billericay slipped to the bottom of the division. They've got seven points and they've lost their last four. Another surprising result as well. And it was a, a big result for Slough. They won 1-0 away at Maidstone. There's, there's pressure on Hakan Heret. And now he didn't come out and do the post-match interview. He sent assistant manager Terry Harris out who bemoaned the fact that he'd worked on everything during the week and then he said it was just basically it was rubbish and uh, he said he couldn't understand the crowd's frustration in the end he said he'd been in football long enough you take the pats on the back when you do well and you take the criticism when it's not going well but again Maystone another full-time club in the National League South and it's it never seems to just happen from they seem to be in and around the playoffs and then fade don't they so you can probably as Terry Harris says understand the fans frustration yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there, there are high expectations. They've been in the National League. Um, and I think, you know, they're, they're, there's probably a reasonable expectation that they would be having a good shot at getting back there. It's not happening for them at the moment. So that's uh, without a win in, in six matches now. Um, and yeah, it's it's a difficult little uh, slump for them, isn't it? And, you know, when you talk about players not executing the things that you've worked on. Um, You know, you're not throwing the players under the bus by saying that, you know, it it may be an entirely valid criticism, but you've got to ask yourself, well, well, why are the players not following those instructions? Why are they not, you know, bought into this? Um, And, you know, you, you don't, for for the sake of the management there, that, that, that the players are able to, you know, take some of those things on board and start producing some results for them. Because ultimately, it won't be the players that um, um, lose their jobs mm. at the football club. It'll be the management. No, absolutely. And then we talked about Telford looking over the shoulder and being a trapdoor. Well, Chelmsford are the same. Uh, they are now fourth bottom. They lost 2-1 away at Eastbourne Borough. And the last thing you would have wanted was Adibola Aluwu putting through his own net. And then Dom Hutchinson, he got a second goal in the 63rd minute before Simeon Jackson got a consolation on 86 minutes. Eastbourne go up to 12th. And then the final game in the National League South was between the teams in 15th and 16th. We talked about Welling and what a shocking start they had to the season. It looked like they might go down. Peter Taylor's coming and turned the fortunes around. They actually start the day above well, uh, above Bath and they finished it above Bath despite going down by two goals to one. All the goals came in the second half. Elliot Freer opening the scoring on 64 minutes. And then the second goal came from Alex Fletcher on 85 before a late consolation from Welling in the 94th minute from Penny. That is it, Dickie. Thank you very much for joining us. No, you're very welcome, Luke. It's It's been a pleasure to spend the time with you. Yeah, and uh, it's, make sure you subscribe to us on all good podcasting platforms. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And we'll be back at the weekend. Rob will be with us. 
Dickie will be with us. Hopefully Chris will be with us as well. We'll all be refreshed and ready to go once again for another NL full time. Until then, look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon. (laughs) 